0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 1030 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, happy Mother's Day to all the women in the house, and especially my favorite one, and that's my wife. And you have a special treat coming up in just a few moments. I am not with you today, and I'm not going to be with you the following Sunday. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I do have to have surgery this coming Tuesday. Uh, for those of you that know, uh, I had some health issues a couple months ago, and it did flare back, and it's a pilonidal cyst. So this Tuesday on uh, May 11th, they're going to be taking it out. And so I would just appreciate your prayers. I'm not looking forward to it, and at the same time, want to be done with this. And uh, I'm going to be missing you. I hope to be online with you watching and uh, seeing you the next couple weeks. But today... You have a special treat, and that is my wife, who's going to be bringing it in just a moment. And so we've been married 21 and, uh, and a half years. We have five awesome kids. And what I just want you to do is, man, can you welcome her right now like you mean it? Give it up for my wife, Heather Vincent.
1: Thank you. Good morning, good morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning and um, on Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day. You haven't heard it enough, but we'll tell you again. You you know, if you can think about all the diapers you changed of your children or somebody else's and um, messes you've cleaned up, you probably should hear Happy Mother's Day at least once for each of those occurrences. So we've got a lot to go today, right? Um, today, this morning, we're going to continue our series, Mad About You, and we're going to, t- to um, cover marriage part two. I'm going to tell you right now, there will be less sexual innuendos than there were last week. So I'm sorry, men, but you're welcome, women. Right? Uh, So I was thinking about the perfect man this week, my poor husband. I put a lot of thought into this, (laughs) the poor guy. So here's what I'm thinking. My perfect man, and maybe yours too. Uh, Tall. Like, just the right height, though, so that my head comes to, like, the right placement near his shoulder, you know, just kind of right there. But it has to be that height whether I'm wearing heels or flats. So, and he's going to have the right hair color, like that perfect shade, but not changed by the sun or by age, right? Um, He's going to be super strong, but not spend too much time at the gym away from me and with all those other very fit people. He is going to be confident, but not arrogant. He'll be a really good communicator, but know just what to say and when to say it, but listen really well to me and know exactly how to respond to my changing moods. Right? Um, he, oh, I've got some more good things for this guy. Um, He's gonna make good money, right, but um, not have a stressful job, and I would love if he could be there in the morning to get the kids off to school and be at home again when they got home, attend all their activities, right, but still make really good money, (laughs) and he's going to be one of those guys where he sees the garbage and knows to take it out without being asked, he's going to cook, he's going to clean up after himself, he'll do laundry, Laundry. Mm -hmm. He's going to shovel, mow the lawn, clean the bathrooms, take care of any repairs on the cars or the house or the children or anything, right? And yet have time to sit on the couch and snuggle with me and give me a foot massage at the end of my long day. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So. You guys like this guy, too. That's good to know. Um, So pretty much, he's going to be perfect, except I realize he can't actually be perfect because then I would be insecure in my imperfections. So we need to give him, like, a mole hidden someplace weird or, like, one toe that's a little bigger than the others or something. Just enough so he's not flawless. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay, so my guy doesn't quite live up to that. He's close, but not quite. And yours probably doesn't either. But how many of us have those kind of unrealistic expectations on our partner or on the people around us? Right? So Yeah. So um, when we first got married, I had this idea about who Chris should be. It's really strange. You see the man, you fall in love with the man, you think he's the greatest man on earth, you marry him, live with him, and all of a sudden decide he's not so great in a lot of ways. And so you figure out how you can change him to make him better. (laughs) That was my goal. And I did not do very well. And when I thought that I was doing well, like oh I wish he was more like this and he became more like that then I was like oh crap that's not exactly what I wanted either and I don't know if that's because I'm flawed well I do know I'm flawed but I don't know if that's the cause or if it's also you know how every amazing trait has that negative side that comes with it too if it's not used the right way so I think sometimes that piece comes out as well but either way um It may come as a surprise, I was not able to control or to change him. Yeah. Chris talked about change last week. He talked about if you think of something good, you should say it. If you have a creative idea or something to do, you should do it. But that you should be the change. So this morning I'm going to talk about what that looks like for me to be the change and maybe inspire you as well. So the other day, I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself. It happens on occasion. I was wishing that my very affectionate husband, who was not being very affectionate that day, was more affectionate. I just, I wanted a hug, and he wasn't seeing my need and coming to give me a hug. And I was just not understanding it, and I was getting a little frustrated. And then God did one of these. Hey, Heather, maybe you should go be affectionate to him. Right? (laughs) Alright, so lo and behold, I go and I'm more affectionate to him, I'm being intentional, playing footsie under the table, putting my hand on his arm, coming in for hugs, and wouldn't you know it, but he started responding affectionately almost like, you know, that thing where, like, one person yawns, everybody in the room starts yawning, or, like, if you're having a conversation with somebody and you lean in, then you notice they lean in, and you sit back and cross your arms, they do the same. It's almost that, like, thing in us as humans where we tend to kind of mimic what the other person is doing. You would think that I would have caught on right away but I am slow at something and so a couple weeks later he was driving me nuts about something else I was feeling um, like he just wasn't he was like consumed with his own stuff and he wasn't stopping to ask me about my day and what was on my heart and so I was getting a little crabby again And then God did another one of these. And he's like, hey, Heather, maybe you should ask him about his day. Ask him about his heart. Ask him about whatever. And I did, and things started changing. Now, I'd like to say that this is like a magic crystal ball formula kind of thing. It's not. It's really actually just a biblical idea. Who knew, right? Um, the first scripture that came to my mind is this one, Luke six thirty one. And I did not study homiletics, so I may totally take this guy out of context, and I'm just owning that, just so you know. You can read the context and you can decide for yourself. But in Luke chapter six verse thirty one, it says, "Do to others as you would have them do to you." We've heard that, kind of that golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated, right? So I always thought, well, people probably want to be treated with kindness, so I should treat people kindly. But as I read this and I thought about this verse more, something kind of jumped out at me. It's almost like, how do I want to be treated? Like, let's go bigger than that. I want respect. I want encouragement. I want um, people to champion me and not to criticize me. Like, and think through the list of what you want, and I realize that is how I should be treating those around me. And that stems from what I do believe is a not-out-of-context, completely biblical idea <laughs> called sowing and reaping. It's something that we hear about in the Bible a lot, but we also see in our world around us right now since it's spring. In Galatians chapter 6, I'm going to read this chunk of scripture starting at verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So there are a couple things that I see, that we see happening in nature, in the idea of sowing and reaping, that I think we take for granted spiritually. The first is you reap what you sow. No, I like saying that to people when they're sowing some naughty stuff. (laughs) You're going to get it. You reap what you sow. Good luck. (laughs) Okay, that's not very Christian of me, but I'm just being honest here. But think about it. Like, I wanted apples because I have a son that loves apples. So we planted an apple tree. Actually, we've planted like four of them now, and we're hoping one actually takes hold. But we did not plant a pear tree. We did not plant a plum tree. We knew that if we wanted apples, we needed an apple tree. Right? And when we planted a garden, which we've stopped doing because we can't grow anything in our sand, I don't have that skill. But I did not plant any rutabagas. I did not plant any hot peppers. No one in my house wanted those. So what did I plant? I planted the things that I wanted. And I did not plant carrot seeds and reap broccoli. That's not how it works. Right? So think about that. What do I want in my life? What am I planting in my life? In those examples I told you about me being disgruntled with Chris and God nudging me, I started planting affection, and I did start reaping it. So what kinds of things do I want to see in my marriage? What kinds of things do I want to see around me? And how can I sow that? Because if I sow affection, I'm probably not going to reap something totally different. I'm going to reap whatever it is I sow. So we have to be intentional about that. Okay, so hold on now. The other thing that comes from this sowing and reaping is we reap more than we sow. Okay, I want you to think about that for a second because I've known about sowing and reaping for a long time and I'm old enough I should have caught this. Maybe you already did. I had not. We reap more than we sow. Those apple trees you plant from one apple's seeds does not produce one apple. Right, it produces a couple the first year even more the next year it keeps reproducing it multiplies exponentially anybody who invests understands the power of exponential growth and how it snowballs out of control if you plant cut those darn weeds like we have those sandburrs. one of those dumb sandber plants just like multiplies and will take over the yard you are going to reap more than you sow so I was thinking about that one too I think in the world around us there have been situations that have happened and people have started sowing seeds of fear or anxiety or things like that and I think that in judgment probably probably some of that in there and i think that they just grow and it multiplies and we as a country are reaping significantly more than those ideas that were initially sown it's when those things that seem like a small situation like blow out of proportion right and that happens sometimes in our individual hearts and minds i know that there are a lot of people who deal with anxiety and i feel like we see that even more now now, lately in our culture than we did years ago, or at least we talk about it more but think about anxiety it starts as a little piece of fear in your mind and then when you're thinking about that fear and you're thinking about that fear and you're thinking about that fear and then it multiplies it impacts your blood pressure it impacts your digestion it impacts your sleep it like takes over and controls things because we're letting it grow we end up reaping significantly more than that initial seed that was sown do you hear me? So we need to think about what it is we're sowing because we're going to reap more of it than we really think we are, which can be scary, right? Everything good has that other side where it can be used in a not as good way. So we need to harness that power of sowing and reaping to reap amazing things in our lives instead of to be sowing those seeds of fear and anxiety and anger and unforgiveness and judgment and all of those things. In Mark um, chapter 4, verse 20, it says, it's talking about sowing seeds in different places, but I just wanted you to catch the end. It says, others like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. That's huge. If you think about like one little angry thought and multiply it a hundred times, that's what could be sown. We've got to be so intentional with that. But let's um, take two seconds. I just want to celebrate a win. Derek was talking about the end of the year celebration coming up this Wednesday, which is awesome. This room gets very full with a whole bunch of young, moving, smelly bodies every Wednesday night, which is fabulous, right? Um, But I want you to know... We talk about like, our ties and our offerings and you and volunteering and being a part of this community and what you're sowing in. But you have to know, like when you give to the Bridge Church, let's just talk finances, but we could talk time and prayer and every other resource. When you give to the Bridge Church, it gets multiplied. Right? You're impacting the person sitting next to you, but more than that, as they draw closer to Jesus, they're impacting the people in their sphere of influence as well. And as we give um, finances to the Grid Church church in Chicago, we're impacting that sphere. And to Revive Church in Forest Lake, we're impacting that sphere. As we sent Pastor Chris to do launch, which is um, kind of like a training for people who are getting ready to start a church, and he coached people who are getting ready to start churches all over the nation, we're impacting those spheres as well. Like it's not, it's, it's that multiplying thing. It's like my one little teeny thing that I can give to Jesus, and he just goes boom, 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 boom. He does such awesome stuff, but awesome work, church, forgiving and obeying and being a part of that. That's huge. Um, So I want you to think about what you want to see. Just like you go to the store and you think about what kind of flowers you want at your house or what kind of vegetables you want to eat this year. Think about what you want to see in your life and be really intentional about the seeds that you're sowing. Um, I have a a not perfect family. (laughs) Did you know that? We're all human. (laughs) Um, I have a son who the other day, I'm not going to name him, but the other day, um, I went up to see him in his room. And he was like red, sweating, tears, mad, sad kind of moment. And he had had an altercation with one of his brothers. It's weird. That rarely happens. <laughs> um, and his brother, he felt, had wronged him. And so he. I was getting this sob story. And, and I teach him mom and and I said are you going to forgive him no he hasn't even said he's sorry man he just this tire age came out of this child right and I said to him sweetheart your brother is fine he is downstairs he is perfectly content he has no issues on the other hand, are up in your room, face red, tears streaming, mad as anything, blood pressure rising, which of the two of you do we think needs to be addressed first, right? Like, yes, maybe he made a wrong, maybe he didn't, I don't know, we'll deal with that later, but at this moment, you are going to just explode if we don't deal with this, and he just said, well, he didn't even say sorry, I've heard that one before. And I said, okay, let's talk about forgiveness for a second. I think as a society, we get it all mixed up. We think it looks a certain way. But it is not saying that what the person did is okay. It is not putting yourself in a place to be offended again where you're just going to stick your face in front of him when he's ready to chuck a ball at it or something like that. Like, Not that that ever happens in my house. Um, It is not forgetting what he did or anybody did to you. And it is not no longer feeling hurt. And he felt like he was not ready to forgive because that hurt was right there. But what is forgiveness? It is revoking our right for revenge. Revenge. Just wait. Next time, Mom, he does that. I'm going to. No, no, no. We need to revoke our right for revenge. We need to surrender the role of judge to God. That's what forgiveness is. Okay, so (laughs) confessions of a not very nice sounding Christian. Do you ever have this, I don't know if you ever do, where somebody wrongs you or does something or offends you and you think, God, you've had some pretty creative ways of dealing with things in the Bible. Like, I remember a story where somebody did something wrong and the earth literally opened up and swallowed him and everything that belonged to him and his family. Like sounds pretty cool you know or like maybe i'll take a step over here god go ahead let the lightning strike now like god's got some creative judge kind of approaches to life so i'm okay letting god take control of the judging because he's pretty good at it In truth, sometimes God does do those things. He has in the Bible, at least. I haven't seen him strike somebody with lightning next to me or anything like that recently. But he has the power to do that. But I need to let go of the place of judge because sometimes God doesn't do it with lightning bolts and earth swallowing people up. Sometimes he does it in a really gentle whisper or by laws of sowing and reaping, where they still receive what's coming to them. I don't even want it to sound vengeful like that. But he can do whatever he wants. Now, my son, in his bedroom at that moment, was like, Mommy, you need to go down and you need to do this, and this should be his punishment, and etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? And sometimes that harsh punishment is what ne- is needed. Yep, you're right. The kid needs to be grounded for a week or something like that. Sometimes child just needs to have one little thing said to them in a quiet voice and that's going to do more and god is the discerner of knowing what's going to be the most effective for that person most of the time what he's really doing is heather this is what you need to work on not them over there but we need to trust that god will do the best job judging and move ourselves out of that position also need to choose to allow god to redeem and restore because that's what he's in the business of doing but here's the part that i really needed my son to understand in that moment forgiveness is a choice it's not a feeling it's not like i'm i'm feeling the forgiveness mom no it's a choice i'm going to choose to forgive but it's also a command ouch It says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It wasn't even really like an option. So think about that in your world, in your marriage, in your workplace, wherever it is. Um, Chris and I were pretty newly married, and some things came to light that really good i didn't like them at all they hurt me and it was a really really tough time for us in our marriage for a little while and i had a lot of choices right i could think oh you think you can do that to me you just wait and see what i'm going to do to you or what i'm going to withhold from you or how i'm going to torment you or anything like that but that's not what god was asking me to do right he was asking me to forgive and he wasn't saying heather you're not going to hurt anymore because i hurt still wasn't saying, Heather, you're going to forget it, because I didn't. Actually, God and I had to wrestle for months where the thoughts would keep coming into my mind. Do you remember that? Do you remember whatever it was? And I would have to fight them in order to be able to have a good, healthy conversation and relationship with my husband. Now, those moments got further and further apart and they got weaker and weaker the power of it got less and less so that over time like I still remember the offense clearly I'm telling you about it I remember it but it's not eating me up it's not controlling my life but it doesn't mean that it ever goes away okay that's not the requirement of forgiveness the requirement of forgiveness is that i let go of my desire for revenge i let go of my desire to judge and to fix and i say okay jesus you take this you use it you restore you do to chris what you need to do to chris and you do to heather what you need to do to heather and that's where god can really get to work and do some beautiful things forgiveness is so very powerful um, in Proverbs seventeen nine, it says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. There's, that word dwelling caught my attention. How many things do we dwell on? We just sit and we keep thinking about them and we focus on them. It's kind of like that little molehill becoming a mountain where we think about it so much. It changes our personality. It changes our heart. It changes our perception of what's going on around us. And we focus so much on that that we lose sight of whatever really started it in the first place. So be careful not to dwell. Now, um, there are some things that I need to forgive Chris for that he will never need to apologize for. For example, let's say I made a wonderful, what I think is a wonderful dinner, and we sit down to dinner and the man picks up the salt shaker and does this before eating his food or after eating his food. And his wife starts to like have this build up inside her heart as she's thinking, sure, I see how you feel about my cooking. I just spent all that time and you think I can't do it and you think I'm a failure and I don't even understand the nerve right and my blood pressure rises maybe it's just me I don't know but little things like that can just irk me and do does he need to apologize for grabbing the salt shaker probably not there's nothing wrong with adding salt to your food but I still need to forgive I know but I do because clearly it's tearing me up inside he didn't actually do anything wrong but I'm getting ready to seek revenge. I'm getting ready to attack the man, right? And that, and my heart towards him is changing. No longer am I like batty eyed looking at him. I want to take my fork and stab him. So, <laughs> so at that moment, I better forgive. I better release that judgment, even though he didn't really ever have to apologize. It reminds me of um, a story Tim Hawkins shares. He's a Christian comedian, and he tells this story. I don't remember all the specifics, but it's about his wife. She has a dream at night that a bear is chasing her and going to eat her, and Tim runs the other way. And so she she wakes up in the morning, and she tells him the story, and then she's like, you would do that you would leave me to the bear, you would just run, you know, and goes with this mile long rant about how he's such a horrible husband for leaving her to the bear. Once again, he does not actually need to apologize. He didn't do anything wrong, right? But there's something in her heart that she needs to release because otherwise she's held in bondage to it. She's the one that's hurting from it. So sometimes we have this perception of discontent from the other person we need to let it go or this perception of an offense that we need to let go I don't need to tell Chris honey you really offended me when you picked up that salt shaker like that just broke my heart don't ever pick up a salt shaker again (laughs) like if I did that do you know how many rules that man would have to follow to keep me happy it would not be good right but I can forgive I can let it go so that he can be free to be loved by me and I'm not carrying it anymore So um, when we started this morning, I told you I had this list of the attributes of a perfect man. It was kind of a long list. It was a good one. It was a long one, but a good one. Um, But I realized, just like I wanted to change my husband when I first married him, that there were probably things about me that he wanted to change as well. And there were things that I felt I should change to make him happy. Like, I think Chris wishes I was more... Whatever. Better at cooking. So I better whip out the cookbooks. That probably was a true statement early on. We had... (laughs) We lived in a double-wide trailer, which we'll have that conversation another day, but um, how we ended up there and why we were there. But... um, I would say hamburger helper and a can of green beans was like standard dinner meals. I mean, sometimes we'd spring for like the chicken breast and the pastaroni or something like that. There was nothing impressive coming out of my kitchen back then. But as hard as I would work to try to become who I thought he wanted me to be, it didn't ever happen. And then I got really frustrated because I wasn't making him happy. He wasn't happy enough. And I was still failing and falling short. I am a slow learner. I'm sorry. But I did realize eventually that what mattered is for me to live is who God wanted me to be. So the, we talked about sowing and reaping. We talked about forgiveness. The other thing that I want to put in front of you this morning is to see who God has called you to be. And live like that. Um, I decided if Chris didn't like that version of Heather, then that was totally on him. And that was between him and God. I was going to be who God wanted me to be and not live up to whatever expectations he had or I thought that he had. I'm Chris's partner, for better or for worse. Poor man, you can pray for him. But God can use me to help balance him and sharpen him if I let God do the using. Right. If I'm like the scissors trimming the hedge and I like do my own thing, it's going to be a mess. But if I say, God, here I am, use me, and I put myself in his very capable hand, he's going to shape and trim in just the right way. And um, in the middle of arguments with people we love, there are often not very nice words that come out. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Sometimes it's toxic and abusive, and in some very sad situations, you need to run because that's not okay. Um, I have some very near and dear people in my life right now who both firmly believe that God hates divorce, but also know that God loves them. And that God's love for them is way more important than what their marriage does or doesn't look like. And some of you in the room need to know that. Yes, God wants healthy marriages. He, he so does. But God cares about you specifically more than what you do or don't do. He cares about you and your heart and your relationship with him. When you leave planet Earth and you show up at the pearly gates... They are not going to say, so is your marriage at least a 7 on a scale from 1 to 10? Because that's the requirement to get in here. That's not going to happen. They're not going to ask anything about your marriage or your parenting blessings or not-so-blessing moments. They're going to say, did you know my son Jesus? Did you accept him for who he is in your life? And if you don't get anything else from me today... That you need to know. You want to know Jesus. You want to know who he is. You want to know how much he adores you. You want to know what he says about you. That will change everything in your world. And that is the one thing that really matters. Not your grades. Yeah. It's, it's not your grades that matter. It's not how many hours a day you do this or that. It's not what your bank account looks like. It's your relationship with Jesus. And the best thing you can do for your family is be the healthiest you, which means you know who God says you are, and you have a powerful relationship with him. So who does God say you are? You know, sometimes we get in those arguments and you hear stuff and where you look at the people around you and you feel like, I am nothing special. But God says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. In Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Some of you need to write that on your mirror in your bathroom. Sometimes I feel abandoned and alone. But God says, I'm adopted. Which means I'm not just his kid, but I'm chosen, like he picked me. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. He's not like, all right, I'll take that one too, whatever. <laughs> right? That's what he wanted, and it gave him pleasure to call us his. Sometimes I don't feel like I measure up and I feel a little bit rejected. But God says, I am His. In Isaiah 43, 1, I don't know, this one's hitting me lately. Do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have summoned you, or I have called you by name, some versions say. Child, you are mine. What is it that you need to hear from God? If you Google it, there are so many places you can see what does God say about you. But if you just quiet yourself, God, I don't know who I am. God, I'm hearing all these voices in my head and from people around me, but God, who do you say I am? Write it. Memorize it. Believe it. He created you. He knows. He's right. Right. My husband may change his mind. There are days when he is like, oh, honey, you're so wonderful. I'm so glad I married you. You're the best wife ever. And then by 5 o'clock, he's ready to kick me out the door because I don't even remember what I did, but I'm sure I did something. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you're driving me nuts. How am I going to put up with you for the next 20 years or however many we have? Right? So, like, he may change his mind about me circumstantially, but God never will. What he says about you is true always. So listen to him. Find out what he says about you and cling to it. Why is this so important? Because I cling to those things when trials hit me or when lies come at me. My heart needs to know the truth. Oh my word, does our world need to find the truth? What a mess. And we're putting it here, there, and everywhere. No, go to the source. Find out the truth and cling to that. If I am secure in him, I don't need Chris to be giving me affection. I don't need my kids to tell me I'm a wonderful mother because I know who I am. I am now free to give and pour out and I'm not clinging and leeching and dependent on them where I'm just going to be frustrated because they're not going to do a good enough job. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's true we're human and it puts me in a position to hear and know what I should do or say so I can't tell you how many times Chris and I have argued in the last 20 some years, it's been a couple and um, and sometimes we're arguing and you know like all the crap comes out and everything, oh and Heather you did this 8 months ago and oh Chris you always say that and you know you just go back and forth and it's just gross, right? But sometimes, as that's coming at me, if I'm in a good place with my Jesus, he can be, Chris can be spouting stuff at me, and Jesus and I just have a little talk in my head while Chris is saying whatever he's saying. And when Chris is saying things that feel like darts coming at me, I go, I know i know he doesn't actually believe that and i know that that's not true because god you say this about me and that is true so god help me have eyes to understand what the heck is going on in this situation and all of a sudden i realized chris is hurt okay god how do i help this How do I put on the brakes? How do I help us focus on what's really going on? And I can all of a sudden stop getting myself so riled up to come back and throw my darts at him for everything he ever did wrong and how dare you say that because you left your underwear on the floor and blah, you know. And all of a sudden I go, no, 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 that's not what's really going on. Okay, I'm going to be a big girl. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to extend peace. I'm going to tell him I love him. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do Whatever it is God's telling me, I'm in the right position because I don't have to defend myself because I know what God says about me. But that requires some footwork. That requires me waking up early in the morning before anybody else so that I can read the Bible and it's quiet in my house. Whatever that looks like in your world. Right? Maybe it's in your car on the way to work. Maybe it's at night after everybody's in bed. Whatever it is, we we need to find that time where we can be just with Jesus and drop out everything else and know what he says about who we are. Now, I have to tell you last week, Chris said something that y'all kind of laughed at, but he he made a little joke about um, how like the wife should go up to her husband's ear and say, when you invited me to church on Sunday, that was the sexiest thing, or something like that. Do you remember that? Um totally true. <laughs> Not going to lie. So there is something, if you haven't caught on to this, ridiculously attractive in somebody whose heart is for God. So attractive, right? I, I'll tell you a story. I don't even know if Chris knows this one, but he's going to find out right about now. But uh, <laughs> we, did, we did theater together at St. Francis High School. And we used to um, pray before every show. I don't know whose idea it was. It was somebody's, not mine. But we would um, form hands in a circle around the room. And we would hold hands and we would all pray for the show. And. Everybody did, like even those who considered themselves atheists joined us and prayed and whatever. Teenagers don't make sense, it's fine. And um, I remember one specific night, Chris happened to be on my right, and he prayed. And remember, he would tell you like he did not know Jesus at this stage in his life. He had maybe gone to Bible school as like a 10-year-old or something, you know, but he didn't know Jesus, but he prayed. And I can tell you like the power that I felt coming through his hand was crazy like it just like caught my attention and I was like I got to marry that man <laughs> like that just did it it messed and that set the whole course of the next 20 some years right um and now if I am home and I come downstairs and he's like playing his guitar and playing worship music oh my goodness, I just want to sit there and stare at him, and I think he's the most wonderful thing ever. There's something so beautiful about somebody whose heart is so for God. It's amazing how powerful that is. Now, um, Chris also talked about how when we planted the church, we really wanted to see healthy families here in St. Francis. And I feel like I need to clarify that. I think... I think I really was pushing that one on Chris probably more than that was even his. He, was, he really has a, a significant heart for the lost. People, people who don't know Jesus, people who have never heard about God, people who don't feel valued. Like that is just his heartbeat is how do we let everybody know about Jesus and everybody know that they're important. That's so significant to him. But I wanted to see healthy families. But what I was picturing in my head was not like Susie Homemaker walking to the door, letting in her husband, and everybody's happy and they like prance to the football field to watch their star quarterback play. You know, I was not picturing that kind of healthy family. Actually, I had a very vivid picture in my mind of a family going through financial and emotional and physical trials. And the man being on his knees and the woman coming up by his side and the kids nearby watching and him crying out to God for help. That's what I pictured when I was seeking God to help have healthy families here. Because I think a strong man is one who's willing to humble himself before the Lord, who's willing to understand their need for God. And a wife who's that helpmate what God wants to see. Not perfect, right? But together, fighting through the trials. Together, trusting God for good and having that example for their children and their future generations. So today, I would challenge you, spend time with God. Get to know him. Get to know who he says you are. I think you're going to be totally blessed. If that's not where you need to be, then maybe you need to check your heart. Is there an area of forgiveness that I need to release? Is there something i need to forgive and it may be that you did forgive them and you know it but your heart is still holding on to it so you just might need to forgive and forgive and forgive every morning at five until your heart is free or whatever your situation may be but if you're feeling anger or things swell up or a response that seems unrealistic to a situation that's probably a red flag that there's some unforgiveness so is there somebody you need to forgive whether it's your spouse or somebody else in your world And then finally, I would challenge you, think about what you want to see in your life, whatever it is, spiritually, in your future, anything, and think about what does that mean you need to start sowing. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, you are such a good God, so, so good. Lord, it just makes me smile to think that you can take a man and a woman and put them together and have them live under a roof and then multiply and not just laugh, Lord. I mean, like, it's just entertaining to see how you can do that. But, Lord, we believe that you design families and that you want to use them for good, that you want us to sharpen the people around us and you want them to sharpen us. But, Lord, more than that, you want our hearts to... Oh, Lord, what an amazing God you are to create the whole world and yet call us by name and choose us and want to just spend time with us. So, Heavenly Father, whatever it is you've spoken to each and every person in this room, I pray that you would make it loud, that you would make it clear, that you would nudge them in the ribs if they need to be nudged, that you would remind them today, tomorrow, and the next day of whatever it is that you want them to do so that they can take the next step closer to you. Lord, whether we need to be intentional about what we're sowing, whether we need to be forgiving those around us, or whether we need to just sit and be and hear who you say we are. May we grow closer to you this week and the next. May your blessing be on each and every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you want to know about him, ask one of us or text the church number, which is 753-2134. Otherwise, go hug a mom and have a wonderful, wonderful day.
0: This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.